0: from the Boston Globe. This is Rhode Island Report. Ahmed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. It's been a little over 7 months since Dan McKee transitioned from being Rhode Island's Lieutenant Governor to its Governor. He was sworn in on March 2nd to replace Governor Gina Raimondo when she became the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Since then, McKee's taken over the state's COVID response, worked to fully reopen schools, and encountered several controversies. Our conversation after a quick break. Welcome back. I'm here with Rhode Island 76 Governor Dan McKee. Governor McKee, thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for the invite. You just released a a plan called Rhode Island 2030 that sets out your vision for how Rhode Island can spend $1.1 billion in federal COVID money and bounce back from the pandemic, a long-term vision. So can you tell us what your priority is in that document?
1: Yeah, so first of all, number one priority is that we didn't put a super committee together. We want that to be a, a, a vision uh, for all Rhode Islanders. So we were able to do um, multiple meetings, hundreds of people responded, thousands of people show up Facebook lives. Now we're going to take that around the state. It's very easy to get in a room and just, um, you know, come out, oh, here's my plan. But that that doesn't work. I found as a, as a mayor in Cumberland, uh, you need to get buy-in from the entire uh, community. And that's what our intention is
0: yeah yeah and that document, Rhode Island 2030 it's fifty three pages comprehensive document, and it talks about how Rhode Island is uh, slow to bounce back from economic downturns and how we're trying to avoid that this time. So what is what's the idea in there that gets you excited that if it happens, you say, you know I, I helped make that happen.
1: I think that one of our main objectives and all these efforts, is to increase per capita income in the state of Rhode Island. I think that's gonna be a measurement for us. In the end, it's, it's about creating resiliency, a really high quality of life, and economically making sure that people are earning more money in all our communities and all the communities that make up Rhode Island. But there's also some other things in there, We, we, we serious topics about education, right? The our tourism, hospitality. Uh, I, I, we, we are positioned in a real strong way, and I think that's one of our measurements. Is going to be this the green and blue economy? What are we going to do to reach uh, the the goals that we've set in terms of uh, carbon uh, emissions, right, or uh, or our
0: renewables? So is that the the idea of the blue economy, the green economy, and what does that mean to give people an idea?
1: Yeah, so I think that what you're talking about is the blue economy is about the fact that we're the ocean state, and what economically can we develop? I mean, it's, it's the fishing industry, right, which we've always had, but it's more than that now. It's it's the offshore wind. Uh, we're looking at 50 turbines that could be started to in 2022, about 15 miles off our coast, uh, and completed by the end of 2023. What does that mean, those turbines, to Tuzed? About, um, I think it's 400 megawatts of, of power that could power as many as 270,000 homes in the state of Rhode Island, which would be about 25% of our energy needs.
0: Why did it take Rhode Island so long to start spending this? You put your supplemental budget in October 7th. Um, I, yeah, that's a question that has to, has to ask the General Assembly leadership. They always say, well, we can't act until we get a supplemental, and he only gave us the proposal on October 7th. Sh- should you put it in sooner?
1: Well, I think that we, when we were asked to put a supplemental, we put it in. I mean, we were putting in proposals in, you know, in last year's budget, prior to last year's budget. I believe that we'll get to where we need to go to make sure that we, uh, you know, stay focused on an agenda that's going to really work, help Rhode Island.
0: You faced controversy over how your administration awarded an education contract to the ILO Group, a new consulting company with ties to one of your long-term allies. The contract could be worth millions more than another bid for the same work. So what do you say to critics who say that looks like a clear case of favoritism?
1: Yeah, so it's not. When we determined that we weren't going to do what uh, the former administration did, which was without procurement, they brought in emergency contracts, right? So once we we determined and we got the advice from the the procurement office that we should go out with a competitive bid, we did that. So we went out with a competitive bid. uh, And then as a result, we've been able to hire in people who are qualified, To help us get kids back in the classroom, you know, I would always ask, "Well, who who was the friend that I that that somehow uh, uh, you know I favored here?
0: Who was the friend?" Well, I mean, the the the, I listened to the Senate and House Oversight Committees, and they focused on the fact that Mike McGee was on that uh, call. He's on your transition team, long-term ally, and the managing partner of ILL Group was. Julia Raffle bear who was working for Chiefs for Change at the time and was supposed to be on that Zoom call. So like Senator, De- you, you listen to the oversight hearings. Senator Palmer, who is an ally of yours, uh, even, you know, he has raised questions about the contract. And, and just listen to this. He, he had said this during, at the end of the Senate Oversight Committee hearing.
1: I can't answer that question emphatically to my constituents, that this was an open, fair, transparent process. I can't. So when that so when that gets clarified, Ed, who 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 apologizes for making uh, you know rash statements like that? When when this gets cleared up, and you're going to find out that it's a, a procurement process was followed, right? You, you're basically you're indicting the people who are in the procurement process by saying that somehow that they broke the rules. So who 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 puts Tumpty Dumpty back together again? How do you put this back in the bottle? When you're when you're uh, taking a, an attack at individuals uh, and basically Im- implying that they they didn't they don't have the integrity to do that job correctly.
0: Well, I mean, what do you say to Senator Palmer? He clearly thought that the, it was not a fair and transparent process that was followed to get to the final result of hiring ILO and WestEd. He thinks, he suggested at the end of the hearing that you, your administration, just start again so that there's more confidence, uh, the public confidence in what- So I would what, tell
1: him the same thing I told him in private, that he was wrong and that you have all the information that you need to know that the procurement process was followed. I'm following the lead in terms of the of the procurement, and I'm told that it's done correctly. I believe it's done was done correctly. If Senator Palmer thinks that he doesn't like the procurement process, then change it. I think it's so unfair. We have people in the state of Rhode Island that either want my job or wanted my previous job actually go out and imply and use a, a local TV station as their evidence that Mike McGee was a partner in that ILO, right? So this has gone way too far. And I wanna know when it when it gets back in place in terms of, oh, the public's going to hear over and over again that something was done wrong. And yet when it comes out that it was done correctly, who who apologizes to these people that you're hurting right now?
0: Well, they're not saying that uh, Mike McGee benefited. They're saying ILO received a contract of up to $5.2 million. I know you've said it doesn't have to go that high, but that, that's what they were awarded.
1: Well, my job is to get value out of it, right? And I'll get value out of it. So, the But the implication here is so off base. And Senator Palmer, we met privately with him. We showed him all the information. He had, he had all the information. He'd, evidently, he doesn't believe us. But, you know, that's one of the problems that you have in this world. People don't believe you when you're actually telling the truth.
0: So let's turn to the governor's race. You're going to be running next year in 2022, right?
1: Uh, that's the plan. I'm not ready to announce because I got important things to do right now, which is, again, uh, get people uh, vaccinated, get the economy going, and get kids safely back in the classroom.
0: What's your pitch to voters for why you deserve a full term?
1: Well, I'll make it at that time. But I, but I, I certainly believe that you do run on a record. And uh, when the time comes to campaign, we're, we're going to campaign on the, on the work that I've been able to do. In a short period of time, some extraordinary things have happened with our staff, whether it's straightening Out, Eleanor Slater, whether, we, whether it's actually creating a contract, a teacher contract, which was, we were told was impossible to do. But guess what? We figured it out. And not only did we figure that out, but the people in Providence are going to be very pleased, the fact that we got teachers back in the classroom, kids back in the classroom in an upbeat way, in a short period of time Ed we've came in what was described as the most critical moment in the state's history. A lieutenant governor coming into the governor's office. certainly been tested under fire. And you're going to see that the outcomes that we received, not only leading the northeast in the economy, leading the country in terms of vaccination and health, the lowest death rate in the country right now, and then when we actually roll in the equity issues that we're working on in, the, in our diversity office and level in the playing field in an area that had never been leveled before up to this date. Uh, we'll, when the time comes, we'll campaign on the record.
0: So let's, let's enter the lightning round now, just some yes. quick answers. Okay, I can uh, do that. Matt Brown, he's running for uh, governor as a Democrat, says he tweeted, not a dime for F and Amazon. What's your response to that?
1: My gosh! Uh, so Amazon, uh, the response is it needs a long response. But one of the things is that uh, that we negotiated the very best agreement in, in the country. The state of Rhode Island didn't give any money to Amazon directly in that transaction. Yet we got things for we got five hundred thousand dollars a year for five years uh, for help our small businesses. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to help with our learning centers that will be opening up in Providence and around the state of Rhode Island. Over, I think it's almost 1,200 labor jobs. It's a, it's going to be a labor contract, uh, you know, on the construction of the one of the I think the third or fourth largest building in the country, uh, and then you're going to have 1,200 or so jobs that are going to come. We've really uh, have created an opportunity there for Rhode Island. You know, the agenda and the vision that we've set up in 2030 the the amazon uh, agreement is very consistent
0: with and that. another democratic candidate for governor Helena Folks donated to Mitch McConnell in 2014 what did you make of that was she right to apologize well
1: i haven't been a you know a, a trump fan or somebody that supported trump uh, certainly not a supporter of somebody who said on the first day which i supported president obama uh, that he would be a four year president so i would i would say that um, uh, contributions to individuals that were su- not supporting President Obama or, or were, you know, s- furthering the efforts to support su- um, President Trump is something
0: to be concerned about. There are six vacant state judge seats. When are you going to fill those?
1: Yeah, so we've had interviews. We had 20 interviews. Um, uh, and uh, I believe there's, uh, right now there's five available. There's one that uh, has got to go through the um, the vetting process, right? I would expect that if the general assembly in the Senate who needs confirmation sets a schedule where they would come back in the fall, then we would have those recommendations for them. If they decide not to come back in the fall and they come back in in the in the first quarter next year, we'll have those recommendations as well by that time.
0: you have nine point four million uh dollars for ninety one new d c y f workers where are they
1: so uh we're on track there um over the last uh, 90 days, there's been interviews done. I believe that we're up to almost 50 of them that are, that are ready to come on by middle of November or so. So I think that DCUIF has actually done a good job. Remember, we're in a job market where it's not easy to get uh, employees right now. Uh, so I think that we're, we're on track there.
0: You challenged New York's uh, governor to a friendly wager over the Yankees game. How are those pastries from the Bronx?
1: Well, you know, we haven't received them yet, but I did get a... They a, have not but delivered? I a, but I did get a text... Uh, from uh, from governor, now, Governor Hochul, who said that they were on their way, and he, should, he said, I, "I guess I owe you some pastry," and I said, "I guess you do
0: have some good dessert." And what are you wagering with Houston, uh, Houston's mayor, for the Astros game? I you know, know they're I, up. They're up. You so. know, I haven't
1: met that governor, so I didn't really have that relationship like I did with the Lieutenant Governor when I, I bet. It, I, I we wagered uh, on the uh, the Super Bowl a few years back with the, the Eagles and the Patriots. Right now, I, I, I suppose I could go back to the lieutenant governor that I've met, uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick. I'm you know, i not sure. that I might have to give odds right now, though, Ed. What do you think? I <laughs> might have to give odds. Yeah, I don't know. Con-
0: consult with Twin River. Yes. All right, Governor McKee, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for the invitation, Ed. Here are a few other stories to check out this week from Globe, Rhode Island. Globe columnist Dan McGowan says it's gotten a lot easier for public service workers and nonprofit employees to get their student loans forgiven. And that's thanks in large part to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. Rhode Island hasn't seen an American bumblebee in the state for more than a decade until now. My colleague Carlos Munoz has the story of how a URI researcher and his graduate students found this now rare insect. It seems impossible to imagine, but back in the 1980s, People said the East Bay bike path was an absolutely idiotic idea. My colleague Brian Amerald says even now new bike projects remain controversial. Find these stories and more at globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. Got a tip? Have someone you think we should talk to? We'd love to hear your ideas. Send us an email at rinews at globe.com. And if you like the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.